I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to another edition of Supercoach Edge, where we bring you all of the insight, analysis, and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam. Now, Liam, thankfully, the buys are officially behind us, and normal programming has resumed. Thank God for that. <laughs> uh, it's great just getting out of, out of those buys and into a normal round of football. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, just scoring into the, the, the 2K mark, that was... Uh, an achievement in itself had kind of uh, surprised me when I opened up my scores during the during the weekend, and I'm like, "Wait a second, something's going wrong." Oh, wait a second, no, 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 it's it's normal. We're not in the buys yeah, anymore. Didn't have to calculate which players were going to drop out of my uh, <laughs> out of my scores. Absolutely. Uh, but before we jump into the episode and discuss the ins and outs of round fifteen, let's just remind listeners where they can find us across our social channels. Yeah, find us on Twitter at at supercoach underscore edge. You'll find Damon at, at demoj88, myself at at liamevans underscore 95. Search Supercoach Edge on Facebook and Insta and you'll find us there. Absolutely. And uh, Liam, uh, our first segment, it's um, it's a special segment, isn't it? And it's, it's one that uh, I've become accustomed to over recent yes. weeks. But um, I did uh, go into the weekend predicting that I was going to uh, get one back in you. Now, um, do you think I did? Let's find out. Mm, okay, let's find out. So, yeah, let's move on to this segment where the loser of the week in our head-to-head gets to kick it off Boom. as we introduce the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, in the good, the bad, the ugly, we run through a quick recap of how our respective teams have performed and the players that stood out for both good and for bad reasons. Now, as I am going first, I uh, 
I did lose, unfortunately. I'll uh, mm. run through my score and then uh, Damon can take you through his scores as well. So I scored 2,404 on the weekend, which did obviously see me lose the head-to-head. I will leave it up to Damon to uh, tell you how many points I lost by. Mm, Another close one. Interesting, interesting number. (laughs) Now, it's not often that you score over 2,400 and still manage to go down in (laughs) rankings. Uh, It was only a slight drop, to be honest, 54 spots um, down to 2,974. Overall, can't really complain, but I do wish I was able to continue my run up the ranks. Um, But yeah, I guess a a, a decrease of 44 spots isn't isn't all that bad overall. So I did make uh, the two trades this week, trading out CJ and Lockie Jones for Jared Lyons and Kieran Briggs. Briggs did sit firmly on my bench, uh, but... Does give some good DPP swing options uh, with his forward defensive status. And Lyons came straight in with the VC. I did hold in B through his injury this week. And I will be looking to trade him out this week instead. It did mean I was forced to play Waterman uh, with his score of 33, unfortunately. Now onto my scores for the round. Uh, my team was headlined by Zeritz 147, followed by McRae's 137 and Grundy's 135. After Lions failed to reach the uh, golden score of 125, um, I did take the risk on Darcy Parrish, netting me a whole extra four points. Thank you, Ooh. Darcy. <laughs> and just to, I guess, run through the good, 16 of my 22 scored 100 or above, and 18 scored 90 or above, so I was pretty happy with the, uh, with the output from the guys. Uh, bad, the key bads for this week, uh, Aaron Hall and Jake Lloyd's scores of 73 apiece. Mm-hmm. Not great. And on the ugly, Impey's injury at training forced me to field Alec Waterman, adding a score of just 33 to my field. Not happy with that. Mm. Now, how about you, Damon? Yeah, I feel you there. Um, he uh, Just a sneak peek, casting forward to the ugly. That's uh, is exactly the same as yourself. But <laughs> yes, overall, I, uh, I scored 2,413. So uh, yeah, the margin there was, what's that? Nine points. Nine points. So it's, yeah. it seems like it's getting gradually smaller, the margins, every, every time um, I'm beating you. So... Might, might have a draw one yes. round coming up. That'll be interesting, won't it? That... To add a, add, a, add a column to our little running tally. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But yeah, like I predicted, I have beaten you to continue the ongoing trend for a number of weeks now where I peg one back and then you immediately extend the margin to two wins and vice versa and around and around we go like a merry-go-round. Yes. But the true test is whether I can equalize come next week. I think I've equalized maybe once from memory. Is that right? Or am I dreaming? No, no, I think it was it was equalized at one stage. So uh, hopefully that that's just the first step. But I think, you know, it, it means I'm going to have to beat you three weeks in a row, which is going to be tough. Yes. going to be very tough. But um, nonetheless, I am very happy with my scoreline, considering that uh, neither of us actually own the likes of uh, a Bont who uh, went crazy. And I saw someone on Twitter actually score, uh, I think it was about 2,420-odd. And it was off the back of them captaining Bont. And I thought to myself, geez, we're actually doing all right then if we're scoring close to that without having, you know, likes yeah. of Bont to captain. So uh, not not too bad there. Um, I did, however, uh, have a bit of a minor scare. And you know about this, Liam, because I, uh, I was crying and bitching and moaning to you <laughs> on, um, on the first game of the round between uh, Brisbane and the Cats. Uh, because what happened was I was playing around with trades 
heading into that first game and ended up reversing trades because I was testing out a few different options and then made the same trades, uh, which I'll go into shortly. And when I made and executed those trades, I pressed the magical optimize team button. And what that did was initially I had put the VC on lines given he was playing first up, but the optimize team button magically whacked the outright captaincy on Lions. Oh, no. And it was only after the game started that I flicked across my tabs in uh, Firefox and realized that, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So Lions had the captaincy, so I was locked into whatever score that he had, and I was at the mercy of the Supercoach gods, and I was praying. But thankfully, it didn't end in tears. It looked as though uh, late in the fourth quarter that... He was actually not going to score above 100, and I was losing my shit. Um, but he actually ended up finishing with 119, so yeah, nice. it wasn't too bad in the end. And I think my backup option would have been Steel, um, just because I like, you know, we've spoken about it before, he's high floor. Yeah. And I think he ended up scoring, I think it was about 16 points more than Lions or thereabouts. So not too bad in the end in terms of the damage that that did. Uh, but yeah, just a word of warning for those out there who are using the optimized team button. Uh, just make sure to double check before lockout does come into effect um, because uh, I think you had a scare yourself, didn't you, Liam? I think it might have been to do with reverse trades. It was Laird, I think, uh, you're, you're switching guys between lines. Yeah, when I uh, traded, I, when I'd made a trade, I'd moved uh, with DPP Laird from my midfield back into my defense. Um, but it's, I think Laird might have been my VC or my C that week. Yep. Um, and when I moved him around, it actually went onto the, the captaincy went onto the player that I brought in, yeah. um, who was a, I think potentially a rookie with whoever I moved him around with. Um, mm. so yeah, just, just be mindful of that as well, guys that, uh, just always check where your, where your captaincy <laughs> and vice captaincy are after trades and yeah, optimizing because it does optimize to the player that's got the highest score, mm. uh, projected yeah. score, not just whoever plays first, if that makes sense. And I must admit as well. I actually never used the optimize trade button before. You being the uh, you know the Matty Rail of Supercoach, the real up and comer, <laughs> you actually enlightened me to it. And, yeah, I and I, using it. I used it for the second time on the weekend, and it almost did me over. So I'm almost <laughs> like fool me, fool me once, Shimon, <laughs> Shimon, you. That's kind of that situation now where I'm like mm, maybe I'll just go back to doing the old school manual because um, at least I'm cross checking everything manually. But yeah, definitely. Any, Anyway, moving on. Um, in terms of my ranking, uh, I, I thought coming out of that round, waiting for lockout to end, and I thought, here I was, I'm like, yeah, okay, pretty decent score. Thought I was going to go up maybe, you know, one to two Ks in spots. And no, I actually rose 148 spots, which was uh, disappointing um, to sit 4,663rd overall. So I'm still inside the top 5k, but I'm gunning for a top 1,000 spot because I want to get the merch that you get from KFC. Mm. Um, I think it was, what was it? The Yeah, I got a hat, socks. Yeah. Um, Keychain, I think. I finished top, yeah, top 1,000. I think you've got to finish 1,022. Yeah. I think you get a onesie if you finish top 22. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay. No, top probably... 11. 11, isn't it? 11 herbs and spices. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, in terms of my trades, uh, continued my upgrade and downgrade strategy, cashing in at Robertson, who I was in two minds about getting rid of, I must admit. And uh, early on in the, the Lions-Cats game, I thought, yep, uh, it was justified because he was only on 15. Um, 
I think it was like late in the in the in the second quarter, I think it was. And then he came out and finished 80 odd. Um, so I was kind of kicking myself a bit there, but I needed to make that downgrade in order to afford line. So it wasn't too bad. So I cashed in Robertson and Lockie Jones, uh, the uh, the Man Mountain, as we know from Port Adelaide and brought in Lions and Briggs. Uh, the added bonus is that whilst obviously Lions um, gives me another primo option to my team, it means now that uh, I have only two spots remaining to fill with primos. But also Briggs uh, provides a defensive and forward DPP switch with Madden, who's in my forward line, uh, which could prove valuable in the back part of the season. It's actually the first time that I can remember where I've had a defender forward DPP switch. So it'd be interesting to see if it actually does come in handy because um, yeah, when injuries kick in, suspensions, all that stuff in the late part of the season, you are sort of left wanting for as many warm bodies on the bench as possible. So hopefully that works out in my favor. In terms of the breakdown of my team with good, bad, and ugly, very much like yourself, considering we pretty much have identical teams. <laughs> um, good, uh, I'll just tick them off by name. Merritt, McRae, Grundy, Steele, Walsh, Lyons, Whitfield, and Ridley all scored above the 110 mark, whilst May, Short, Daniel, Oliver, Laird, Taranto, and Langford, who uh, he bounced back this week, Liam. He did. He did. Like I said. He bounced back because you know why? It's because I, I, I bloody gave him a big rocket. Big no, rocket. No, 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 no. No, it's because <laughs> I was the kind person and said, it's okay. It's understandable. Maybe it was the, the good cop, bad cop type yeah, scenario so. that, um, think that so. really set the tone. So I do uh, have to say that uh, Langford's sort of the whipping boy at the Bombers, so he's probably used to the, uh, the old <laughs> rocket that he cops. Yeah, nothing, nothing new. <laughs> In terms of the bad, uh, whilst Gorn did pass the 100 mark, I have put him in there as one of the bad aspects of my team. And what was a, you know, obviously a good round uh, because he was well below par for those, especially those that captained him, which is why he sees himself in this category. Meanwhile, Lloyd and Hall disappointed by failing to live up to their usual production. Like I said last week, Liam, expectations uh, and standards that I've set are really, really high. So, uh, you know, it's just a good thing that for them that I don't have enough trades to, to get rid of them. Um. <laughs> I do have to say on Gorn, though, his score, I mean, I, I haven't looked at his stats, but having watched the Essendon game, I thought he would have scored a lot a lot, a lot higher than he did. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. Struck down by the um, by the CD crew. Mm. Uh, in terms of the ugly, uh, like you mentioned, Waterman was really the only major disappointment for the week. Obviously, off the back of um, MP's uh, injury, uh, obviously had to field him, and he struggled to 33 points, but still went up in price, um, so not too bad. In terms yeah. of the running tally, Liam? Yeah, let's uh, run through it. Uh, so I'm sitting on top of the ladder, I guess, on eight wins, seven losses. You're with a percentage of 100.68, and Damon is in second place. Uh, seven wins, eight losses, and a percentage of 99.32. Yeah, I still have some ground to make up. Even though I'm only a game behind, you're still 216 points ahead of me. So uh, I was hoping actually to make that sort of margin up over the course of the over the buys, but um, no, you, you kept ahead. So that's I think that's going to be the major stumbling block because obviously there's the head-to-head games, but hmm. the bigger picture is the number of points that I've got to make up. So hopefully I can peg you back. But yeah, I mean, in the business end of the year, like I said, I've got to win three head-to-head matches on the trot. And in the business end of the year, I'm hoping, as I say in uh, in Spinal Tap, I'm hoping to crank it up to 11. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? 
Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? I put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. <laughs> but before, Liam, we look forward, we cast our minds forward, let's look back by discussing the hottest topics, players, and everything in between in the week that was. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to turn. Yes, the week that was, and it was the uh, the week coming out of the uh, those dreaded buys, and uh, there were a couple of things to headline the weekend that was, and uh, yeah, of course Grundy. Uh, a lot of people, there was a bit of conjecture there as to whether or not people should hold on to him or get rid of him because of his, you know, his neck injury that he sustained uh, heading into the buys. And luckily enough, Liam, we were uh, two that that held on to him, and uh, he repaid the faith because he returned with a vengeance. Uh, against especially those who traded him out, uh, scoring 135 against the Dockers. I thought he might have been managed. Like, uh, yeah, I don't I know about yourself. I but... was the same. I didn't think he'd come out with a massive score. And go up against Darcy as well from the Dockers, who's a relatively uh, decent ruckman nowadays. Yeah. Um, I thought it might have been, you know, similar to a score that uh, that Gorn actually produced in the weekend. Might round be round be around about 100. 110, yeah. maybe that, but I uh, didn't come into captaincy calculations at all because of that. But uh, yeah, it came out and absolutely clobbered at the Dockers. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much luck as just the smart move of, of holding mm. him when you when you had the ability to through those buys. Um, I just didn't see the, the benefit of it. There were so many people there who they thought he was going to miss more than three, but you could tell from the outset that the pies, the way they worded it, they said like, yeah, he's gonna going, going to miss the next two. Get this is like going to the buy. He's gonna miss the next two games, um, and then like obviously one of those weeks on top of that will be the buy. And they yeah. didn't actually talk about anything beyond that. And it was like he was always gonna miss. I think if it was a regular season, he might might have missed yeah the two games, but I think they just stretched it out to three because of that that buy week. Yeah, they had. yeah, definitely. I, I, I think, think yeah. It's made it difficult now for those those coaches who got rid of him because they were probably expecting him to to drop more in price. Yeah, it's only going to drop probably like thirty ish k mm. now. I think so. It's not really worth worth the trade out, but I guess yeah, hindsight's a hindsight's a beautiful thing. Mm. Now moving on, uh, Zorko was another who returned this time from suspension uh, to yeah. score a, a mammoth one hundred and seventy four. Absolutely insane from the uh, from the mid forward there. Yeah, he was everywhere. Like I was watching the game, and uh, I think we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back um, before he got suspended, because I don't know about yourself, but there was a week there where I had a chance between either going for Hall or going for Zorko, yeah. and I went for Hall. And then when Zorko got suspended, I was like, oh, there we go. It's worked in my favor, like justified. Maybe I made the right move. And then to see Zorko score 174 and he's not in your team. It's like, ah, uh, so deflating. Yeah, it hurts. What hurts more, though, Damon? What hurts more is the fact that uh, Jarman Impey, who pretty much 90%, I don't, there's probably less than 90% uh, for those ghost ship teams out there, but uh, I'm going to say 90% anyway for uh, for the effect. 90% of coaches were uh, impacted by the injury suffered by Jarman Impey. 
uh, at training where he injured his ankle. But yeah, the, the fact that uh, he missed on the weekend, like we mentioned, meant that uh, a lot of coaches had to uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel to try and find a replacement. And uh, for us, it was uh, it was Waterboy and obviously didn't produce to the same heights as Impey, but uh, very unfortunate. But Liam, it comes with a silver lining out of the weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess uh, with with the injury to Impy, it makes it quite easy with the uh, with, with a replacement for him, and that comes in the form of one Patrick Dangerfield, who looks to have bottomed out in price uh, and now sits at a juicy four hundred ninety five point three k. So an upgrade from uh, Impy to Danger will cost you just a tad over ninety k. Yeah, I mean, I've used the tag a lot, but <laughs> I'm going to say it again. He's going to be one of the uh, biggest bargains of the season, I think. Just <laughs> I've used it uh, before Oliver. on Oliver, uh, which has come to fruition. That's that's yeah, that uh, was a big that, that was, was a big that's one. Very true. Uh, Walsh potentially. Uh, Walsh, yes, yeah, he's uh, he's done well. Uh, Lions is probably Lions. another one. I said um, he's not really a, probably a bargain in the context of other players. I think we're speaking about Bond um, and the fact that there was eighty k difference. Um, but I think yeah, just just for me, the fact that Danger in his last nine seasons hasn't averaged below a hundred. Yeah, says to me that uh, he's going to come home with a wet sail in the uh, the back part of season 2021. So uh, for those people who are looking for a replacement for Impy, look no further, I think. Yeah, I agree with you entirely there. And uh, the last, I guess, uh, big bit of news, if you can call it that, um, as a Carlton supporter probably is to an extent because he actually played well on the weekend. A uh, guy that's been under fire in recent times, Zach Williams. Uh, it's come out that he's actually going to miss this coming round after being handed a one-match suspension for rough conduct. And um, we had a bit of a discussion before the the start of this episode recording. Um, and it's amazing how that was kind of like a trial by social media uh, because a lot of people brought us light and they were analyzing yeah. the fact that because it was it happened like you know, out of play. And there was actually an emergency umpire that was like a few feet away, but didn't report him on the day. Mm. But yeah, obviously Williams, he was picking up um, uh, Adelaide player and slammed him down into the ground and uh, it was probably a stupid thing to do in, in retrospect, Very obviously. Stupid, yeah. um, but it makes you wonder because there are moments throughout, you know, the rounds gone. Uh, one in recent times with Selwood punching, I think it was Bontempelli in the head uh, with a half clenched fist. Uh, but got away with a uh, a fine, so it's that uh, that inconsistency that persists uh, at the tribunal and uh, the match review panel. So, oh well, what can you do? But for those people that have Williams, obviously uh, will be impacted. So hopefully they have enough enough depth on their bench because yeah, if he's just going to miss the one round, uh, coming off a decent scoring week, uh, there's no use getting rid of him. No, wouldn't wouldn't move him on. Now let's move on. The price is wrong, bitch. Yes, in The Price is Right, we run through the top buy, sell, hold, and weight options for this round of Supercoach. We'll chat about the pros, the cons, and uh, what we'll be doing with our own teams this week. First up, we've got the buys, and uh, can we just get a... Where is he? Where is the old guy? Uh, we've just uh, just entered Franco Cotzo's, and he's, he's nowhere to be seen. Oh, wait a second. He's sleeping in one of his beds. Oh, come, come on, on Franco. Franco. I know business has been slow in recent times, but you can't sleep in your bloody... It's just lockdown. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here he is. 
Grand style, grand style, grand style. Megalo, megalo, megalo. Yes, uh, so first up we've got our buyers and the first cub off the ranks is uh, one Jordan Ridley, uh, 470.9k mid, averaging 100.8 with a break-even of just 55 this round. And it's look good. Looks like he has his old rollback uh, mm, post the buyers, right. which is uh, great for his scoring. Since the buys, he's gone 111 and he followed it up with another 111 on the weekend. So if you haven't yet finalized your defense, I think Ritter's at his price of sub 500k is a very, very handy option. Let me say, he's he's an absolute bargain. <laughs> Are you going to use that tag? Oh uh, yeah, sorry. He's the bargain of the season. <laughs> he's got, got his kick-ins back. Uh, I haven't got the round... 15 data yet it hasn't hasn't been released but he did take seven um in round 14 and he played on from all of them which is just a super coach gold he does have the cats crows and north in the next three games so should have some good scoring potential there as well hopefully yes this is a snapshot of of uh, things to come uh because yeah for those of us who bought him way 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 back and uh have seen him decline uh obviously post concussion Hasn't been a pretty side, but yeah, it'd be a good reward for those people that have held him because I know a lot of, not a lot of people, but a few people out there have actually sideways him uh, because he hasn't been performing to those lofty heights of, uh, of rounds gone. Uh, moving on to a, another buy candidate, and that man is Lockie Whitfield, who is, of course, a defender, priced at 521.9K, averaging 97.9 with a break-even, uh, which is very, very gettable for his standards of 65 and he has shown that he does have a good scoring ability in the last few weeks with scores of 126 and 116 so that ceiling that uh, we spoke of when speaking about him previously is back well and truly for season 2021 uh, post his uh, bruised liver injury that Mm. he had strangely enough early in the season so yeah, obviously, as I mentioned, his break-even of 65 means he won't be getting any cheaper. So if you've already got Ridley, uh, Whitfield is someone I'd be considering to finish up your defense. Absolutely. Obviously brought him in a couple of weeks ago, um, and he's he's been pretty reliable since then. I've been quite happy with him in my mm. side. Uh, moving on, we've got the, again, the bargain of the season. <laughs> There's so many bargains going I know, around. It's, it's, it's great. Patrick Dangerfield, forward mid, 495.3K, average of 85, break-even of 100. Now, I'm going to preface this. He still doesn't crack the ton. Um, mm. But I I think this is the week. I think this is the week that he's going to get, if not 100, he's going to get 99. <laughs> Uh, and, and why you you can go into into detail yeah, in a second. I'll, right? I'll give you this. Idea. I'll give you give you the reason for this in a second. Uh, <laughs> but let's just kick it off with uh, the fact that you're going to get if you bring him in this week, you're going to get him at a discount of over 115k from his starting price. That's mm. why he's a bargain. That's bargain. Uh, bargain price. Frank will be proud. In the, in the bargain bin. <laughs> next to Simon Goodwin's. Next to Simon Goodwin's book in the bargain bin. Goody. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> What's <laughs> wrong, <own> book goody? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, goody, come on. I think uh, while he hasn't set the world on fire this year, uh, that's that's not exactly harsh. Uh, he's one to bring into your forward line, um, especially if you're looking for another option in the forward line, which I think most people would be. Um, he has been building his time on ground with a 73% in his return game, 78% 
uh, time on ground the next week and then 83% last round and was even managed later in the game uh, when the win was out of reach for the Cats. I do think this will continue to build and be back to his normal scoring um, as a result very, very soon. Um, and this is, this is I guess, what, what Damon mentioned uh, with the stat and why I'm saying that I think at least he'll get a 99. Uh, since playing at Geelong, um, if you do exclude his injury-affected score of 26 in 2019, he hasn't gone below 99 against the Dons, and that's since 2016. So he does have a very, very good, I guess, uh, scoring history against the Dons, who he does face this week. Um, and as much as it hurts me to say it, I really do think he'll be back to a much bigger output this week. Very, very nice stat there, Liam. I, um, that's what I do. It's, it's impressive. And that's, that's the reason why, see, here at Supercoach Edge, we don't just throw random numbers out there and be like, oh, you know, I think he'll score this or that. That's backed up by solid stats in conjunction with our crystal ball, of course. So mm. um, great work there, absolutely. <laughs> You're actually showing up the crystal ball there with, uh, with facts and stats. It's Just backing it up. Uh, let's hopefully back it up with some more options. Can't guarantee that they're going to be uh, the biggest bargain of the season. No. Uh, in the, spoken in the same sentence as a, as a danger field. But next candidate is still side bottom um, as a forward midfielder priced at 494.3K, averaging 92 with a break-even of 102. So uh, obviously, yes, another forward option as opposed to probably a midfield because a lot of people would have filled their midfield with, I'm going to say better primos because uh, there are better primos on offer. Um, but side bottom comes in 93K cheaper than his starting price. So that's probably part of the reason while we've got him listed here and a score of 115 on the weekend is uh his third ton for the year believe it or not um and he's second in his last three games that he's played so he's starting to work into a little bit of form uh he is another veteran alongside pendles that has really turned it on mm. so he is an option for those looking for someone to replace impy but uh yeah if you were to say that danger is only literally 1k more expensive than side bottom I would be like, uh, I'd be jumping on danger 99% of the time. So mm-hmm. uh, the only reason why I'd go for side bottom is if he was like much, much cheaper than danger field. But because he isn't, I would definitely lean towards going for danger field um, of those two, um, considering they are at a similar price point. Yeah, I agree entirely there. I think we just wanted to include him as just sort of a, an option that was, was there mm. for for the forward line, but also as a sort of direct comparison to Patrick Dangerfield and, and how cheap he really is. Now, moving on, it's my boy, Zach Merritt. You're my boy! Midfield eligible, 591k, 112.6, and a break-even of 108. Now, to be honest, he's at a pretty good price considering he's a top seven mid this year, and the only player in those top seven mids that is actually sub 600k. So, mm. dare I say it, he's the bargain of the season. <laughs> That's another one! <laughs> You know, I reckon we could actually get a job at, at one of Franco's stores. I reckon we could. In Brunswick or Footy Yeah, because like, we'd just be like, come on in, check out uh, the uh, the latest design from Il Motinissimo 3.0. And uh, we're telling you, this is the greatest bargain of the year. <laughs> Look at the marksmanship on uh, on the wood. The wood yes. carving is, is amazing. It's almost hollow. Almost hollow. Oh, wait a second. Shouldn't, shouldn't be saying that. Shh. In all seriousness, guys, though, he is he is a bit of a bargain considering he is the top seven mid. Um, and as, as mentioned, um, everyone else that is in the top seven in the wave mids is over that 600k mark. So if you haven't got Junior yet, uh, he's one I'd be targeting. You won't get 
uh, such a consistent mid for much cheaper. He's dropped below 100 only three times this season, but it does has obviously shown that he's got a reasonable ceiling, um, but also a pretty solid floor overall. His 147 on the weekend was a season high and just does show that he can go big. Um, but I guess, yeah, the, the one caveat that I do have on that is that he does face GWS again in round 19, and with that comes a potential for a DeBoer tag, which uh, could see a, a poor score in that round. Yeah, I'm super impressed with uh, with Zara just because uh, two weeks ago against the Tigs, he had his second. At that time, it was his high score of the season with 137, then a 147 against Melbourne. Shows that, uh, you know, he's not beating up the lesser likes in terms of, you know, poorer sides. Yeah. Uh, so that there is um, is a really, that's a good thing for, for him to ha- hang his hat on and reason why you should be considering him uh, in your team as, a, as an upgrade, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to those guys on the bubble. And uh, we're coming down to a stage in the season where there aren't too many reliable guys on the bubble. But uh, one guy that you probably could say is uh, is one of the more reliable is Lachlan Bramble as a midfielder from the Hawks, priced at 102.4K, averaging 49.5 with a break-even at negative 39. So while he hasn't really shown a strong scoring ability with scores of 54 and 45 so far, it's his bargain basement price that really gives you the best of both worlds in terms of his cash cow status uh, for a, a number of reasons. So the first first reason is the fact that he, he frees up uh, a shitload of cash. <laughs> Let's just put it that way uh, when you downgrade to him. So that, that instant bank that you get yeah. off the back of that direct trade, uh, you can obviously put to use straight away with your second trade in upgrading to a primo. The second reason is he doesn't need massive scores to return a price increase given that his break even is negative 39 and he is at the lowest price he can get. So like we've mentioned in previous episodes, the higher... Uh, price point you're at the higher the score you need in order to you know to really get a a strong uh, appreciation in price and the third reason is he looks to have a relatively solid job security with Clarko noting that he wants both Newcomb and Bramble to gain experience against the bigger bodies in the AFL so you'd think you know the Hawks obviously aren't going to make the finals in season 2021 so uh, it's one of the rare moments that Clarko's actually turned to youth uh, mm. in his coaching career at the Hawks. So. Yeah, so he may not be coming into my side personally, um, but that's just purely based on, on my structures at the minute. Um, but he's one that I have been strongly considering, um, but I'm probably going to pass on just purely based off what, what my plans are for this week. Um, mm. But I think he's one that should be in strong consideration for most sides, regardless of that. Now, moving on to the next guy. It's uh, his Hawks uh, teammate, Ned Reeves, uh, Ruck. Allard rule, 123.9K, average of 86, and a break-even of minus 99. The the forgotten man, I guess, for many. Uh, Reeves is, is still on the bubble this week, obviously, having only played those two games. There has been some talk that he could make a return to the ones, giving us the opportunity for both ruck cover and for more cash generation uh, from, from the big man. Um, obviously, you'd have to watch for him to be named before trading him in, and I guess watch out just in case he's laid out again. Um, just, just you don't know. Maybe Clark is going to gonna, gonna uh, rival Chris Scott for uh, laid outs. <laughs> I, I'm considering him. I'm looking at trading Flynn down to another Ruckman to, to gain that cash from him. There's advantages to Ned Reeves in the fact that he might be playing, um, but there's also advantages to someone like a, a Jacob Edwards, who's uh, the North Melbourne uh, Ruck forward who shouldn't play and is 102 
k so you get the get, get the most amount of bang for your buck from that trade down there um i think there's 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 merit to both both sides of that uh, but it depends on if you want to have that rock cover um in your in your in your field somewhere um so for me, I personally am going to avoid Ned Reeves just because I don't. There's no guarantees he's going to play, um, and I'll be looking for someone else because I do have CCJ as cover that I can loop in with uh, with Edwards, uh, with both of them having that ruck forward DPP status. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm in the exact same position as yourself, and uh, it's something that I need to factor in. And I guess the the one thing with Reeves that was so appealing, I think, apart from obviously his his price point. Uh, and his scoring that we've seen so far is the fact that we thought that he was going to be playing the rest of the season. Um, And it was just unfortunate that he actually got injured, lost his spot, Segler came in and just had an out-of-the-box game uh, and, uh, yeah, kept him out of the side. But, I mean, even if he does make the team this coming week, there's still no indications as to whether or not he's going to be in and out of the side for the rest of the season. If Segler happens to have an, again, out-of-the-box game in the VFL, which is what happened to him prior to Reeves getting uh, injured. So it was just the perfect storm for you know for Segler uh, and just obviously didn't, didn't work for Reeves. And for those coaches, unfortunately, which went early on Reeves coming off, his, uh, off the back of his second game. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something to factor in. Uh, but I think the big point is, yes, obviously he still has that uh, that really uh, juicy negative break-even of 99. And he is going to make bank, I think, the more important thing, which we will be saying ad nauseum uh, for every episode <laughs> up until the end of the season, is you need someone that uh, that is going to have really strong job security. And uh, with Reeves at the moment, as we've seen, there's no guarantee that he's going to be playing every single game for the rest of the season. So for that alone, I think... I've gone from 100% trying to get him in yep. to now being, I don't even say 50-50, I'd say 25-75 in terms of bringing him in just because of that job security. Um, so yeah, definitely a wait and see. And uh, fingers crossed anyway for those coaches that have brought in Reeves and uh, he can finally make some uh, make some cash hole for him. Yeah, definitely. I Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think he's really in consideration for me at all. I'd go so far, I'd say it's almost 10-90 um, yep. that I'd bring him in. Um, and it's it's just purely based off that job security. You don't know whether, as you said, Segler has a game um, out of the box, or if Reeves just stinks it up one game, is he going to get dropped? Mm. I don't think there's there's enough there's enough purchase on that role um, that he's going to hold it for the rest of the year. Next candidate is Riley Garcia from the Dogs as a midfielder. Priced at 123.9k, averaging 21.5 with a break-even of just 30. And uh, he was injured in his debut game and subsequently subbed out for a score of just 7, uh, which obviously drags down his average and increases his break-even to 30, despite being uh, priced at that 123.9. At this stage of the season, as we mentioned again, job security is, uh, is paramount, so, uh, you know, for any prospective rookies, trade it in, and you'd want to know that his spot in the Dogs 22 uh, is solidified, but you know at this stage, isn't assured. No. Haven't seen enough from him at senior level. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that combined with the fact that he hasn't really shown any good scoring potential. I think in the VFL, he's been performing quite well, uh, but uh, I think he's just a placeholder at the moment until someone else makes their way back into the Dogs team. If you need, desperately... Uh, to downgrade someone in the midfield. Yeah, go for Bramble, who we spoke of before, who comes with both 
scoring potential and some semblance of job security. So um, bottom line is it's a, it's a no for me. Exactly the same with me. Uh, another guy in the same boat for me is Brandon Walker, defender, 117.3K from Fremantle, averaging 43 with a break-even of minus 17. It's just likewise with, with, with Gussie. I just don't think he's shown enough to be a valid downgrade option at this stage of the year. I'd avoid him as well. Let's move on to... Um, hey, Franco, can you pop that cash register? Thanks, mate. Let's have a look at what we can sell, apart from the El Maldinissimo set. And uh, first one is Jarman Impey uh, as a forward, priced at 407.2K, averaging 90.8, with a break-even of 80. So, yeah, he's, he's given us a really solid service uh, for pretty much all of uh, all of 2021, and we are very, very thankful for that. Unfortunately, though, MP did injure himself at training, like we mentioned, and um, he does find himself now as a trout out option. Uh, and like you mentioned, it was a um, it was a high grade sprain, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, 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 looks as though he's. <laughs> Can't add to that. That was exactly what it was. I was I was getting your medic, medical opinion there, Liam. It's, yeah, Doctor uh, Liam, it's a high grade uh, syndesmosis ankle <laughs> sprain. It's unfortunate in the sense that it probably would have provided a bit of a, a separation in the competition because I I do recall in the weeks leading up to his injury yeah. uh, before the round that a lot of people were thinking about sideways trading him as opposed to keeping yeah. hold of him. And I think it would have separated uh, the competition based on that decision alone. And I was always going to keep him. And uh, he repaid the faith last week prior to his injury on the weekend. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate because of that, because it would have added a little bit more strategy uh, towards the back mm. end of the season. Saves the but, trade as well. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to move him on, I think, if he is ruled out. Uh, and even if he's questionable, if they say, oh, you know, he could come back for a, a game or two here or there, I think bite the bullet now for, for guys that we have uh, up for grabs at the moment, like Dangerfield, who we spoke of uh, as yeah. one of the, um, as one of the, or should we say the bargain of the season? <laughs> um, because yeah, for less than 90K, you're going to be able to, to, to do a, a straight swap. So um, yeah, for me, it's a no brainer. Yeah. MP. Uh, yeah, you, you just have to move him on. I think uh, on the weekend, reporters asked Clarko if uh, Impey would miss the rest of the season and Clarko did reply, yeah, I think so. Mm, okay. Now moving on to the next guy on the sale list, it's uh, Cody Waitman, forward 291.4K, averaging 67.8 with a break-even of 71. His break-even is now obviously higher than his season average, his three-round average, and his five-round average. And as a result, mm. it's time to move him on if you haven't already. While he has obviously scored higher than his break-evens in the past, he's made you 117.7K, and it's time to take that to the bank, I think. Um, he's not one to keep. His scoring in the past few rounds um, has been been on the lower side and obviously had his lowest score for the season on the weekend. Yeah, I think for me, if you do have him, given the fact that there aren't too many downgrade options at this stage, unless you have a, a swing between mid and forward and you can bring in a bramble, uh, I would be looking to use him as a springboard to potentially a primo if you have the money yep. to do so. Um and sort of use a strategy that way. Yeah, definitely. Now let's move on to the hold options. Hold! Thanks, William Wallace. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, these next two guys are both in 
the Holden and Sal camps, I guess, depending on where you're at in your season and, and, and what you want to do this week. And the first guy on that list is uh, Matt Flynn, Ruck eligible, 341.5k, averaging 92.4 and a break-even of 72. If you are in need of a cash injection like myself, you can't get much more cash than by trading out Flynn to just about anybody. Mm. He's made you over 300k and downgrade to the likes of Reeves or Edwards or a DPP switch with CCJ uh, will give you mass bank uh, to upgrade a rookie to to a genuine primo. However, I guess there is also a chance that he makes more cash. His break-even is above his season average, his three-round average, and his five-round average. But you still wouldn't expect him to make you too much more. So I don't think there's much harm in, in trading him out. I think, to be perfectly honest, either way of looking at it is is, is a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to get rid of him, I think. This is the week to do so. You're not going to really make much cash beyond this week. Uh, and yeah, like we mentioned, trading down to either Reeves if he does play his game this weekend or trading down to Edwards uh, is going to definitely help you out. So uh, look to do that and use that cash to upgrade to primos over the coming weeks. Moving on to another guy who you could potentially hold or get rid of depending on uh, where you're at at this stage of the season. And it is Alec Waterman as a forward priced at 213.6K averaging 50.9 with a break even of 36. So for those who held on to the Waterboy like both of us, Liam. Yes. Were able to net a bit more cash when he was named to play on the weekend. He scored a 33, so I'm increased by another 10K, surprisingly. Uh, unfortunate that it was only 33 on field for both of us because personally, I actually did gamble uh, with Madden's score on my bench, uh, Madden from the Lions, and he did score 51. And I thought, no, I reckon Waterman might uh, might eclipse that. Oh, that was a big risk. And yeah, I actually lost out on, what was that, 18 points or thereabouts. So... Eh, what can you do? But uh, yeah, while his break-even is still below his average, mm. it is definitely uh, coming up to, to parity. Uh, so yeah, he could be a handy player to downgrade to the likes of Bramble if you have a DPP swing. Yeah. Equally, holding him to avoid a trade probably won't hurt you either and obviously gives you a warm body off the bench. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where I'm probably leaning towards this week. I'll trade Flynn and keep Waterman. Um, he might eke out a little bit more cash if he doesn't get dropped. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of, he's just going to be on my bench anyway. So it's not a massive concern for me. Now moving on to the weight options. These are guys that uh, you, you you can keep an eye on and uh, potentially bring in in a couple of weeks time. First up, we've got Saints, Ruckman, Rowan Marshall, obviously a ruck forward. 464.3k with an average of 81 and a break even of 162. He is one to watch in the coming weeks. His return from injury this week didn't really set the world on fire with a score of just a 68. But from his games this season, he scored a 50 and a 68 in games where he's returned uh, from injury. One obviously much earlier in the season in round three and one uh, last round. And he's had a low score of 43, but that was when he was subbed off early. And in there, he's also got scores of 132, 86, and 107. If he can get his troublesome foot right, and I guess that's a big if, he'll be at a pretty good price and potentially a good option for an F6 or even maybe an F7, uh, especially with that handy DPP status. Yeah, for me, I will probably look elsewhere. Mm. Uh, Coming off, well, he's been injured twice now. Yep. 
this year um, with that foot. So it's not a very good sign, especially uh, Ruckman who do suffer from those injuries um, unless they really have long layoffs. So if it does rear its head again, that injury, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. So for me, too much of a risk and don't have the, the trades to afford to trade him out if he is ruled out for the rest of the season, if that injury does come up again. Yep, definitely. It's just, he's got, His scoring looks quite good if it's not for those those injuries or those return from injuries. Uh, but I do think the risk is, is quite high. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't go for him, but uh, he's, he's definitely one to consider if, if you like to take some risks. Moving on to a, another option uh, that you could wait on potentially, and it is Shea Bolton as a forward and a midfielder, priced at 502.4K, averaging 92.6 with a break even of 156. Now, Bolton should drop in price in the next few rounds, letting non-owners like us, Liam, jump on yes, him at a price sub 500K. And yeah... Absolute bargain. Another one. Another bargain, considering his scoring ability. Because he has gone below 85 just twice with scores of 29 and 44, both coming in shock Richmond losses. And it does show, as we've spoken about in previous weeks, just his his outright consistency and um, you know being able to to score at that you know 100 mark or above is, is really great and uh, does help you in especially head-to-head league matches. And according to Supercoach Gold, he should bottom out at around 471k in round 17. So I've uh, always wanted to jump on Bolton throughout the year. And now we have the chance to. So um, with that last rookie spot in the forward line. So uh, looking forward to jumping on him. Yeah, I think it's very interesting just to note that his two scores of uh, below that 85 was a 29 against uh, Sydney when they when they got jumped and uh, 44 on the weekend against St Kilda where I guess they also underperformed. Mm. Looking at their uh, fixture for the rest of the season, they've got Gold Coast, Collingwood, Brisbane, Geelong, Fremantle North, GWS and Hawthorne. And of those games, uh, there's five of them at the MCG, one of them at Marvel, and two interstate. So they've got a pretty good run. I wouldn't think there'd be too many too many shock losses there. So hopefully uh, Shea Bolton uh, can continue his really strong scoring. And I, and I do think he will. I think he's a very good option for those that don't have him. And I will definitely be looking to bring him in for my final forward spot. Now moving on, we've got Tom Stewart, 549.7K, averaging 105.2 with a break-even of 146. The player that uh, was best on ground a few weeks ago against the Doggies uh, took a bit of a fall this round with a score of just a 58. His role wasn't super conducive to uh, Supercoach scoring with uh, the coach that shall not be named playing him as a shutdown defender on, on Charlie Cameron for large parts of the game. Dumbest move, I'm sorry. Just quickly, the, the yeah. dumbest move I have seen in a long while from a senior coach. What was he thinking? Yeah, I, I really don't understand why he would do that. He's playing like to, to his opposite strengths. Like his strength is his intercept marking and playing off opponents. And that role that he had on Cameron is the complete opposite. He's a yeah. shutdown defender and he's meant to bloody chase him around who's like a small to mid-sized forward. And what did he expect? What an idiot. <laughs> frustrating I'm not even a Geelong supporter and it's frustrating to see yeah it, it just it didn't make sense I mean I didn't get to see the game but when I heard about it it just didn't make sense to me at all um, but he anyway. gave away a few a few uh, free kicks as well because there was one stage there where he just absolutely lost his nana yeah at Cameron and uh, he started a a bit of a bit of a fight and a bit of a scrap 
because Cameron was really good under his skin and was performing quite well, and he just lost it. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, he should he should direct that anger at his at his senior coach. If you can call him that. <laughs> Idiot. Just go scrag him in the in the quarter time. <laughs> Put him in a headlock and just like scrub his head. Give him a, give him a noogie. Take that, Scott. Give him a wedgie. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Tom's the the fact that he did uh, did did play that role and scored just fifty eight is a godsend for any non owners who are in need of a player to fill their last defensive spot. He should bottom out at a price just over five hundred and ten k in about round seventeen. Uh, he's one that I considered getting in a few rounds ago mm. instead of uh, Whitfield. I think it'll hopefully end up being a bit of a nil all draw between the two of them, um, but. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Stewart and do regret not starting him at this season. Yeah, I'm very much the same as well. I, for some reason, thought that he was going to drop in price. And uh, as we've seen, he's he's one of the more consistent defenders oh, out there. Uh, so for him score. to score 58 on the weekend uh, is probably a godsend for those, those players still in need of a defender because he is one guy I would only be bringing in at this stage of the year. Uh, super consistent. And uh, that that score of 58 was an anomaly more than anything. So, um, yeah, jump on him. Moving on, though, to a, another weight candidate, and it is Brody Grundy. Priced at 618.6K, averaging 123, with a break-even of 153. And, uh, yeah, we both feel like a bit of a broken record here, haven't yeah. we? Because every time we've been discussing him, we've said, uh, yeah, th- those who traded out Grundy have really been bitten in the ass. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, he, he went big with a big score of 135 in his return from injury. Uh, but if you did trade him out, it's looking like you'll only be getting him back in at about 25k cheaper. So, unfortunate for those people. But uh, it just goes back to that, uh, you know, rule 1.7. You know, don't trade out your primos. And rule 1.9, don't trade out the likes of, uh, of your set and forget rucks. Yeah, very true, very true. But uh, anyway, moving on to uh, you know our potential moves, Liam. Yep. What are you uh, What are you up to? Yep. At this stage, it's Stangefield in, Jacob Edwards in from North Melbourne, and on the out, it's Impey uh, and Flynn. This will leave me with just one more upgrade to be made in my forward line and over three hundred k in the bank. As such, I'll probably be giving Bramble a miss. Obviously, I only have two trades, and <laughs> will be able to hold CCJ with his handy DPP status. And that'll let, actually let me trade Waterman up to Bolton in a few weeks, which will then complete my side, um, which will be which will be nice. Very, very nice. And uh, very much along the same lines as myself as well. So yeah, 100% bring in Dangerfield at the expense of the injured Impey and performing a downgrade uh, to fund that trade. As to who gets the chop and for who is still to be decided. I think, yeah, Flynn, like we spoke about, is most likely the one to be given his marching orders yeah. just because of the fact that we will get bulk cash that um, will probably fund the next two upgrades in uh, Dangerfield and Bolton, who I'm also looking at like yourself. So I think I'm, I've sort of narrowed it down to... I've, I've listed three options here, but I reckon it's going to be two in terms of the potential trading options off the back of Flynn. And the first one is to bring in the 102k... Jacob Edwards from North Melbourne as the R3 loop. And given he is the forward ruck uh, DPP as well, swing in with CCJ if need be. Yeah. Uh, the other option is trade Flint to Reeves if his job security looks more secure. But I mean, it's hard to get a read on that. Even if he does play on the weekend, you could probably base it off 
you know, it'd probably be in retrospect, you'd have to wait for him to play on the weekend. That's more than anything. Um, so that's probably the least of the um, least favorite of the three yeah. options. And the last option is to swing CCJ into R3 and bring in Bramble via forward mid DPP switch, which I think that's probably ranked the second favorite yeah. uh, just because of the fact that it would mean that I would need to trade uh, Saunders from the Hawks, who's currently my loop, my mid-forward loophole that I can switch between both and allows that DPP swing. If I was to bring Saunders into my forward line, uh, I wouldn't have a way to to do that swing virtually. So it would cut that uh, that DPP swing. So um, yeah, I think at this stage, I'll be looking to trade him down to Edwards. I think I've pretty much just... Um, encourage myself into that that option just <laughs> just talking it out but um yeah after this i'll be left with the, just the the forward six spot to fill with a primo to complete my side so hopefully that's bolton all things going right and uh we'll be left with i think two trades or three trades um thereabouts so yeah looking forward to completing my side that's for sure definitely can't wait for that now damon what's the next segment oh i'm the captain now <laughs> Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you noticed uh, that, that captain, he was wearing a beret and eating a, a baguette. A baguette. Was he French, maybe? I don't know. Perhaps, I couldn't tell with that know. ridiculous accent. Yes, then I'm the captain now. Uh, every week we bring you our top choices of the VC and the C. We'll be discussing some of the key options and some that may even be a little bit left of field. We may even just use the, the crystal ball to uh, predict who we think will be the best captain and vice captains for our own sides. Uh, so first up, we've got Dustin Martin against the Suns on Thursday night, 7.20 up at Metricon Stadium. He uh, average in the last four against the Suns is 100.75, which is made up of scores of 92, 78, 91 and 142. Now, this is a game that the Tigers need to come out and smash. So he could be in for a big one. And as a result, mm. I think he might be a good VC option if you're looking for something a little bit left of field. I don't think many people will take Martin as their VC. It is a bit of a risk. Um, but I just think that because it's sort of a game that they really need to, to come out and just win, um, Martin might, might might be on for this week. Yeah, I think and as we know with Martin as well, in the uh, the back third of the, uh, of the season is when he really starts to fire. And uh, that's now because... We've already seen in round 12 against the Dons, 102, round 13 against the Eagles, 110. Uh, a little bit of a, uh, not really a downer, I guess, by his standards, uh, probably up towards the upper echelon given his previous scores, but he scored 94 on the weekend against the Saints. And um, yeah, I mean, now that we're in the back third or thereabouts, I think uh, we can probably become accustomed to expecting higher ceiling type games from Martin. So it's not out of the question, that's for sure. Moving on to uh, Tuk Tuk Miller in the same game up against the Tigers, averaging in his last four against them 78.25 with scores of 124, 79, 49, and 61. So um, you might be thinking, why in the hell are you guys mentioning him? But he has a three-round average of 119 and a five-round average of 128.6. So you'd expect him to continue on with his current runner form. And um, yeah, he's... Probably a, a bit left field of an option, and others mightn't go for him because of that historical form line against the Tigs. But um, yeah, one that uh, may throw up a, a bit of a curveball for uh, for opponents in your head to head matchups if you go for him. Next cab off the rank is uh, Merritt 
against Geelong on Friday night, 7.50 GMHBA Stadium. His average in the last four is 117.75, with scores of 122, 94, 118, and 137. The main concern, I guess, is whether O'Connor does go to go to him as a tagging role. Um, mm. Potential for that, I guess. So it's probably one that I would maybe not consider. Um, but, I mean, his his scores in the last few against Geelong um, have been pretty good. So you won't necessarily go wrong with putting the VC on him. Um, and I guess there, there is less risk with him being the VC as well. Yeah, it was uh, just just on O'Connor and the Cats. If he does tag anyone, do you think he's going to tag him over someone like a Parish? Yeah, still. I still think that oppositions will go for Merritt over Parish. I think Merritt's yeah. more... His, some of his outside run is, is easily more easily stopped with, with a tagging role. Very nice insight there. But um, speaking of Parrish, he's the next man uh, we're discussing. Averaging in his last four against the Cutters, 91.5 with scores of 79, 110, 94 and 83. And again, it's all about his scoring in the last few weeks as opposed to that recent form line against the Cats because it would have been when he was played out of position and not in the midfield. So his three-round average is 134 and his five-round average is 138. So uh, yeah, I mean, again, probably more of a, um, uh, I guess, a, a point of difference in terms of a, a captaincy option and uh, one that you went with on the weekend as well, wasn't it, Liam? Yeah, I've used him quite a few times. Um, I think he's just got a really high high floor. Uh, I think he, his lowest in the last couple of weeks has been 115 right. and that came on uh, last round. Uh, but he had a pretty poor game by his standards against Hawthorne um, and still managed to uh, score 115. Okay. So I think uh, that, that that's why I've sort of been using him as my, as my go-to captain option because I think he has that quite high floor uh, but also has a, has a pretty big ceiling as well, which is, which is nice for a, for a captain option. Uh, and now moving on, talking about appealing scoring. Mm. Uh, we've got Gorn up against GWS. Uh, Saturday in Arvo, 1.45pm uh, at the MCG. His average in the last four is 154.5. Yep. You heard that correctly? Jeez. And that's scores of 163, 150, 149, 156. Now, I'm just going to say enough said. We'll just leave it there. Yep, for sure. Don't Let's... think we need to say too much more about that. <laughs> Let's just move right along there. It speaks for itself. Uh, next candidate is Jared Lyons, our recent pickup. Facing his old yeah. mob, his original mob, in the Crows on Saturday at 4.35 p.m. at Adelaide Oval. Averaging in his last four against some 96.5 with scores of 116, 94, 101, and 75. And he's, yeah, again, he's another one that probably hasn't got the greatest average against the team that he's facing this weekend. But mm. he has some solid scoring in his recent weeks with a three-round average of 129.3 and a five-round average of 119.8. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Playing against the Crows, uh, Lions in form, coming off the back of a win against the Cats. I think, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's one that you should consider. Yeah, definitely. And I guess talking about in form, uh, we've got oh, yeah. Dane Zorko here, also obviously playing against the Crows um, on that Saturday Arvo game. His average in the last four against uh, the Crows is 99.75 with scores of 47, 121, 106 and 123. Obviously, that 47 in his last encounter does really drag down his four-game average. But there is something to note um, in that his average in all his games against the Crows is 104.7, uh, his third highest average against any team. 
Um, so if you do have him, um, unlike Damon and I, um, I'd definitely be looking to put the VC on him if you can. Um, I just think with his rich runner form and his uh, his solid scoring against the Crows in the past, I think he's going to have a, have a good one this weekend. I wonder as well if, because um, this season, opposition coaches really haven't been targeting Zorko as much no. compared to previous. And I wonder if this is the week where the Crows you know, the team to do that because on the weekend against my mob and Carlton keys actually tagged Walsh, uh, for the first, uh, portion of the game and tried to contain him. But, mm. um, thankfully he, uh, for, for my sake, anyways, a Carlton supporter, Walsh was <laughs> able to get off the leash, but I wonder if they, they put keys onto Zorko, um, because yeah, you wouldn't think they would be going to Lions or maybe they go to Neil. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing, the impact that he had virtually he had no one running with him again in the game against the cats and we saw the damage that he can do when he's given free reign so um if that's the case uh yeah you could probably bank on another big score but speaking of walsh he is the next man to discuss coming up against Fremantle on saturday at 7 40 p.m at optus stadium his average walsh against Freo in his past three is 109 with scores of 124 123 and an 80 which I think was uh, his first game. Yeah, is that correct? first game. So he's built into some form there. And uh, as we know, so far in 2021, he is taking his game to another level. So definitely uh, one to consider. Yeah, definitely. Now, moving on, we've got Grundy against St. Kilda on Sunday at 3.20 at the MCG. His average in the last four is 117.25, and that's made up of scores of 103, 144, 109, and 113. As we saw on the weekend, um, he really hasn't been hampered by that neck injury with his scoring um, since since his return on, on the weekend, obviously, uh, with that 135. So I'd, I'd say he'd continue on. I wouldn't be too worried about putting the, the C on him if, if that's what you'd like to do. Um, for mine, I'm his, his run of form against St. Kilda isn't the greatest. Um, I'd probably be looking at other options first. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd probably look elsewhere but you'd think yeah he's coming up against Ryder Marshall um, in tandem in the ruck uh, I reckon he can run Ryder ragged around the ground uh, that's just personal opinion but yeah I think for me I'll be looking elsewhere comes into consideration in my top three that's for sure but just oh, just off the basis of his you know the form that he showed on the weekend right right back from injury so um, pleasing to see there next guy to discuss is on the other side of the opposition, and that is Jack Steele. Average in his last four against the Pies is only 86 with scores of 73, 95, 83, and 93. And mm. it's actually the, the team that he has the second worst average against. But as we know, again, talking about current form and recent form lines, his average in his last three weeks is 132.7. So have to include him here as a captaincy or VC option potentially. And his five-week average is 130.2. And... Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I like the fact that he, and I've said it a lot, but the fact that a big part of his game in terms of his super coach scoring is the fact that he loves to tackle and that always produces a really high floor. So if he has a bit of a down game, I always reckon that because of that, it's a safe pick as a captaincy option. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, it's really hard to get a read on the Saints. The Pies obviously lost to, to Freo on the weekend, uh, which was a bit of a surprise considering they've been in some pretty good form despite Bucks being given the ass. Um, if the Saints were coming up against a Collingwood team, 
in the recent half of the season where they've just been absolutely putrid. I would say, yeah, go for Steele. Um, but I think the Pies might take it up to the Saints. Um, and that in itself, I think, um, lends itself to me really holding some queries over whether or not Steele can produce a, a high enough captaincy score to uh, to warrant selection. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I don't... I don't know if I trust him against Collingwood, just knowing that it's his second worst average team that he averages against uh, with just that 86 in the last four. He does have obviously a good rich run of form um, in the last few weeks, but yeah, I think, I think there's other options. I do agree with you though, that the fact that he's got a high floor does make him um, a pretty safe option for a captain um, pick. If you, if your VC does fail to fire now talking about players that I guess haven't failed to fire, mm. Um, we've got, yeah, just trying to get the segues in. Uh, yeah. We've got Bontempelli against North Melbourne, Sunday, 4.40, Marvel. Now, he's average in the last four. He's just 85.5. And that scores of 82, 55, 118, and 87. Now, I don't know how much... I don't know what, you, what, what, what to say about this one, to be perfectly honest. His average against North Melbourne obviously isn't great. Um, that 82 was actually coming from earlier in the season as well, um, his most recent score. Um, but he's in such a hot run of form, you just can't look past him, can you? Mm. Oh, it's it's tough. It's tough not having him. Yep. Um, and it's sort of, I don't know, it's hard one to get a read on. North Melbourne's going to be giving away the most points to um, midfielders in, in, uh, in recent yeah. weeks. And so, so based off that, you'd expect Bont to go to go really massive. But I mean, they were also giving away. They were pretty decimated, pretty pretty poor poor team on on Good Friday when they played, and they lost by a lot. And Bont only scored eighty two. So I mean, I don't know what to read into it. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his recent form line since round eight. Bond has scored 155, 128, 159, 125, 149, 143, and 156. So those are all captaincy scores right there oh, easily yeah but the the one thing that is is really uh i suppose disappointing as a non-bont owner is the fact that you would think that being the quality player that bont is they would throw their quality tagger at him and even if they can't yeah. match him in the air because he is quite an, an aerobic tall player that can play you know obviously up forward as well yeah at least run with him have some body on body pressure and really try and put him off his game. Um, and there's so many times there where you see him burst from a pack, and he's got that burst of speed as well for such a tall player. He's really hard to match up on, no doubt about it. But yeah, 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 of course. He's allowed so much space during a game that he's allowed to really play to his strengths. And in recent yeah. times, that's him playing like, or pushing up forward and kicking goals. And he's had, in terms of probably this, uh, coming out of round eight, he's had... Two goals, four goals, two goals, one goal, and three goals on the weekend. And that's a real strength of his game, especially in terms of super coach. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if if North can limit that damage that he does in the forward half, then they might be able to. But I'm really worried about them in the fact that, yes, as you mentioned, they give away the most points to midfielders and the fact that they don't have a, a quality tagger. So... Unless they try and double team him, yeah. um, I reckon he's in for another another high score. And if I had Bont, I would I would definitely have him as a captaincy option playing oh, on definitely. Sunday. Um, yeah, no no doubt about it. And yeah, he's he's averaging his last four haven't been the best against North, but overall he averages one fifteen point eight in his last ten against North. So 
not too shabby there when you look at the sort of broader picture of things. So yeah, I, I would definitely consider him if I had him, absolutely. Um, yeah. In terms of his teammate, McRae, who we both have, uh, average in his last four against North is 114 with scores of 108, 90, 105, and 153. He comes into calculations um, for sure. He's just, as we know, he um, is an accumulator, can find the ball at will. Hasn't really had any uh, any attention either, I think, from opposition coaches, which has really worked into his favor. And his recent scores, yeah. recent form line, is another guy that's really fired since round 10. He scored 149, 145, 129. He had a bit of a downer against Geelong, which is his first game that he scored below 100 with 97. But then on the weekend, bounced back with 137. So, you know, getting the crystal ball out, Liam, I think <laughs> he can score upwards of 130 against North. Ooh, As we said, nice. you know, they concede the most points against uh, to, to midfielders, opposition midfielders. And for that reason, I think he comes into calculations as a definite, definitive. If you don't have Bond, uh, I would be looking first and foremost at McRae as your captaincy option. Yeah, nice, nice. I, I, I agree with you there. I do think he's going to go big. Um, it just, it's, it's insane as well. I think it was, I saw a stat, he's had 24 or it was either 24 or 26 games of 30 plus disposals. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It's that's that's insane. Crazy. Like crazy, absolutely crazy. Um definite definite captain option there if if you don't have Bont. Um just quickly just to note, uh we have excluded Clary here just because of the risk of the DeBoer tag. He obviously did a did a number on him last time they played. Mm. So there's definite risk there. Um I don't use the VC on him and even then I don't think it's a good option to do that. I think with with what we saw last last uh, last time they played, uh, it's it's a very big risk. I'd, I'd be looking at other players, and I think uh, his teammate and Gorn is is a better option. He has one of the worst averages uh, in terms of uh, against the Giants with eighty six point four across five matches, and even his recent form line, he's very much dropped off uh, since round twelve. Well, since round 10, when he scored that uh, that double ton with 204, and then he scored 139 against the Dogs, but then against the Lions, 94, against the Pies, 108, and against your mob on the weekend, just the 105. So, mm. I mean, his historical average against the Giants, coupled with his recent form line, uh, for me, it's a no. I mean, the fact that DeBoer as well, that he has to contend with, yeah, he's, he's a look-away option for me. Yep, definitely. So let's uh, let's go through who we're going with this round, Damon. Uh, yeah, so at this stage, Gorn will be my vice-captain, uh, given his crazy record against the Giants, even probably more so if Mummy doesn't come into the side and he's left to pick apart the likes of the inexperienced yep. duo in Flynn and Briggs in the ruck. If Gorn doesn't live up to expectations, like he did on the weekend, uh, so it's not out of the question, McRae or Grundy will be the, uh, the coin flip for the C, but I think probably got an insight into the glowing endorsement I had on McRae, he would probably be my um, my go-to option as my C. What about yourself? So I'm pretty conflicted, to be honest. Um, I want to use my VC on both Parrish and Gorn. I've really enjoyed having my VC on, on a player in my actual side, yeah. the, the team that I follow. It's been nice. Um, I think ultimately I'll use my head and be boring and go with yeah. a VC on Gorn. Be adventurous. Oh. Be adventurous. Live on the edge. Um, and then go uh, into McRae with the C um, if Gorn does fire to fire. But you know what? Who knows? 
Might, might hit optimize and see what happens. Oh, um, no, 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 don't do it. Take it from me. Don't do it. Uh, why not? Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that could change depending on how I feel about Parrish, I guess. Um, I, I, I just really like his floor. Uh, but playing on the Friday night means that I can't VC him. Yeah. I can't, sorry, I can't put the C on him. Um, so I think Gorn, I'd feel less risky with by putting the VC on him, just with obviously his recent form and, and Jackson in the side. But I do think he'll go big against the Giants. And then, as you said, I can't look past McRae. If I did have Bont, Bont 100% would yep. be my C. If I had Zorko, Zorko would, if I could, have him as my VC. But I think he's also a good option for the C as well, just to round out some of the other options. Very, very good. And let's move on, Liam, to our next segment, which is... I got to know. Hey, I got to know. Yes, in I Got to Know, we answer the questions that you, the listener, have sent in for us, all the burning questions that you have heading into the next round of Supercoach. First up, from Twitter, we've got Katz, and his handle is at the underscore pivotonians and his question is can you offer any insights as to what has happened to hall scoring is it the right time to jump off him and get an ultra premium like grundy via dpp i'll jump in here unfortunately i didn't get to catch the game on the weekend so i've had a quick look into the stats um more so um some things that immediately stand out to me, his time on ground uh, was down to its lowest point this week, barring the rounds where he was obviously injured and the round where he was the uh, the medical sub. And that saw a bit of a drop in his stats on the whole on the weekend, having his lowest disposal count. Um, at the time of recording, the kicking stats hadn't been released. So unfortunately, I am unable to comment on that uh, to, to look into how that affected his scoring. But on the whole, it does look as though it's just been a bit of a down game. I'm not really too concerned about it. And on to that second part of your question about if you should jump off him. Um, to be entirely honest, I really don't think it's a good idea uh, to jump off him. He's only had a score of uh, below 100 twice this season. Um, obviously, barring the two injury effect, the injury affected score and the, the sub related score. Uh, so I do think it's a bit premature to be at, trading him out, even if it is up to the one and only Grundy I think it's I think it's a bit of a waste of a trade to be honest at this stage of the season where trades really are worth their weight in gold yeah for sure I think um just in terms of Hall as well and looking at his his form line Mm. like you said uh you know he's been performing very very well uh first sort of score below 100 that isn't injury affected or sub affected and just looking at his projection uh and he's probably probably one that we could have even featured in the uh, in the the weight option because according to Supercoach Gold, his projected price change is twenty nine k. But that's that's on the basis that they've got him scoring eighty three. So if he if he gets you know around a hundred yeah, okay. or thereabouts, he should still drop you know close to twenty k or thereabouts. And given that you know that just sums up like you should be looking at him as a trade in, not as a trade out option. I think yeah, definitely. for me you know he's he's just on the game of the weekend, like yourself, I didn't watch the game, thankfully, because it's against Gold Coast and probably not the prettiest. But um, he did have a super slow start. I was watching the stats uh, in fan footy as the game was was playing out, and he had a super slow start to the game with only five disposals up until half time. But he came home with a wet sail with 12 in the second mm-hmm. half, and eight of which with which came in the last quarter. So the one thing to look into as well 
to consider as to why his score was so poor. He had 58% disposal efficiency percentage also, which uh, impacted his overall score. So unfortunately, that was sort of the tail of the tape, I think. Uh, yeah, like you said, yeah. keep him. Don't don't even consider at this stage of the game getting rid of him. Uh, who are you going to trade him to? I mean, he's, he's a forward. He's one of the most de- dependable forwards in a position that, you know, isn't really, doesn't have a massive depth quality uh, players no. to choose from. So you got to keep him. Yeah, and I think on on that, I think when you when when I saw that you were asking if it was time to jump off him, I actually had to check his scores because yeah. I thought, oh, maybe he's going 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 worse than I thought he was. Um, but then he'd only had the had the two below a hundred, and obviously um, scored a hundred as as recently as last round. So mm. um, definitely don't think it's time to jump off. I was I was actually a bit worried. Um, him being on my side but I, I do honestly think it's one to keep um, there's definitely no need to trade there next question has been sent in by Darren via Discord he asks if trades are low at the moment he uh, he has 6 should I keep CCJ who would be his last upgrade at F6 or spend 2 trades to upgrade him what do you reckon Liam? yeah I think potentially having 4 to 5 trades left after your final upgrade is an okay spot to be in to be honest I think you'll find most people will be in a pretty similar or potentially worse position. Mm. Um, you could, I guess, wait to upgrade him and hold on to your trades if you'd like, but I just don't think you're in a bad position at all at no. the minute. Like with six trades left, one upgrade, I know you're going to be spending two of those trades to get him up to a up to a primo, but you'd still have uh, the, the four trades left over for any injuries or suspensions that you might need to cover for. It's not too bad. Um for me personally, I'll be looking at having around four to five after my final upgrades coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, so I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have no issue with you making those trades. It's really dependent on what, 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 how, how comfortable you are with, with, I guess, using two trades to upgrade CCJ and then only having four left for the, for the remaining rounds. Um, I just like to quickly note, uh, I guess that if you do have less than four trades and have upgrades to make, I'd be holding onto those trades instead of making upgrades now. I think you'll be in a worse position if you do leave yourself with too few trades mm. and the inevitable inevitable injury does strike. I just note this, uh, just because I've seen a few questions come in mm. about this and a bit of discussion on it throughout the community. Um, I do think it's, I do think it's a real risk to uh, leave yourself with like two trades or or, or potentially no trades as well uh, in some cases that I've seen. Yeah, just quickly on that as well. Like, it's it's amazing how many questions we get surrounding that. And the way I kind of look at it, or my rule of thumb is, if you're at this stage of the season and you've got, say, you know, four trades left, three trades left, what I try and do is hold on to those trades until it gets to the remaining. You know, if if you've got the same amount of trades as per the number of rounds left. So if you've got four trades left and you've got four rounds remaining in the Supercoach season, then it averages out, obviously, to be one trade per round. So the more you hold out, the closer you are to then being able to afford like a luxury upgrade. But don't do it until you're in that position where you know that, okay, if injuries strike, I'm still going to be in a good position if I am able to use one of those trades as a luxury upgrade. Like hold out for injuries first and foremost yes. until you get yep. to a stage where you can afford to make a luxury upgrade. Um, but I think, yeah, for Darren's case, he is very much in the same position as as myself and I think you as well, Liam. Like, yeah, pretty similar. Both going into this week with six trades and yep. got CCJ, who's kind of like, I could consider him as my, I guess, last upgrade. 
before I yeah, make definitely. you know the the upgrade, I guess, or sideways trade of Impute to Dangerfield. But yeah, he's he's in a good spot. He's definitely in a good spot, and like you said, he's he's actually better than than a majority of people out there who have burnt through trades and used maximum trades during the normal rounds of the season, and then maybe a maximum here or there during the buy round. So yeah, you can probably afford to do it. It probably comes down to as well what guys you want to upgrade to. Like we mentioned, Bolton, you could probably hold out a week or two on him. Um, so, you know, you can afford to, to hold CCJ there as well. Yeah. He's got a couple of weeks left in him, I think, as well, from memory, CCJ, before he actually, uh, you know, hits his peak in, in price. Um, or probably a little bit more, actually. Um, going by Supercoach Gold, anyway, just a snapshot. He, if he's projected to make, if he hits his projected scores of 81, okay. he's not going to hit his peak until round 20, where he'll go up uh, 2, 4, 6, 7, 80, an extra 80K, on what is at the moment so yeah you can probably wait as long as you can uh unless of course you want to jump on someone like danger now who's really bottomed out um but yeah it comes down to that you got to weigh out those things but i think in terms of your trades i wouldn't be too worried at the moment no no i think that's that's a very good way of looking at it and moving on to our next question sent in by Al Pinker, again on Discord. So um, thanks again for uh, contributing to uh, to our thriving community on Discord there, Al Pinker. And he asks, is Judd Danaher a good option at 400k? He has a very good run left for the rest of the year and can see him averaging 100. It's either Joe this week or Danger next week. Mm, I think this answers itself, but what, what do you reckon, Liam? Yeah, so I guess he's not the worst pick, to be honest. It does kill me to say it. Um, as Damon and I have uh, mentioned throughout the season, uh, we don't, don't we both don't particularly like uh, key position forwards in our team. Uh, their scoring is just a bit too volatile. You'll get the big scores, but you'll also get low scores. And just looking at Danaher, for instance, yeah, his season high is 121. His lower score for the season is a 34. So you're going to get big differences in scoring. He does have a pretty good run coming up. Adelaide, St Kilda, Richmond, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, Fremantle, Collingwood, West Coast. That's not a bad run. But looking again at his at his average against those opponents, the highest average against is 70. So I don't know. Don't know how I feel about it to be perfectly honest. It's it's something I guess as I said with, with that volatility you see it with players like Hawkins and Walker as well. Mm. Uh, personally I'd be holding out for Danger instead of Danaher. I really do think that Danger is building nicely and will be back to his old scoring ways very shortly. And let's be honest, uh, I mean, Danaher's already been done once uh, for, for diving. If he does it again, isn't that an instant suspension? Yeah, well, you'd think so, but the AFL like to uh, not um, enforce rules and change rules on the spot. And But yeah, surely he's learned his lesson. I don't know. He went for a massive swim. Massive swim at the Gabba. That was good. Don't know. But yeah, no, no, I totally agree. Like, spot on. Um, one of my biggest rules in Supercoach is avoiding key position players and especially key forwards at all costs. And why, you may ask? Well, uh, simply because it's, you know, their form and scoring output is super volatile, like you mentioned, Liam. But it's given that their performances are largely dictated by the performance of their sides midfield. So mm. there is a direct, massive correlation there. And you don't want to be tied down because of that. So virtually it means like, you know, as we saw with Hawkins, he's been in really good form. But because Geelong have an off game, their forward 50 entries on a given game may be crap. Or, you know, they just may be soundly beaten by the opposition's midfield. Then it means that his scoring suffers as a result. Um, and yeah, that's just 
my sort of take on things. Yeah. And that's the reason why I didn't go for Danaher to start the season. Yeah, he's definitely not a, not a candidate I'd be looking to bring in, even at that price of 400k. As we said, like Dangerfield, I'd be willing to spend the extra dosh to bring him in because, as we know, he's got that sound history. And if you're really after a forward, Dangerfield plays as a forward at times. So <laughs> it uh, fills both the um, scratches that itch and uh, his uh, game time is increasing. Whereas Danaher, he can have an off week and have an off week during a week, especially if you're playing for head-to-head league games uh, that may come back to bite you on, on the ass. So for me, look yeah, elsewhere. definitely. I think if you're looking for a player that's going to average 100 in that 400 to 500k bracket, Danaher is less likely to do that than Danger. Um, looking at Danaher's averages for this season, uh, it's 80.6 for the for the whole season, and then his three round average is 85.7. So it's it's not like it's not like it's up to 100 at this stage. So yeah, I I, I just I, I I'm, I'm not going to say he's not going to average 100 from here. Uh, but I just don't think he will. And moving on uh, to the part of, uh, of our show where we go through the Supercoach Edge group rankings and uh, the round 15 high scorer was Steph with his team or her team, Fighters. Uh, apologies, because the name is spelt S-T-E-P-H, so it could either be a, uh, a male or female, but uh, their team uh, was the high scorer with a score of 2,599. So really, really close to cracking 2,600, which is yeah, so absolutely insane. So well done. Well done. Also devastating. But dev- yeah, exactly right. You just like, I would be so annoyed about that one point. Like, Where's the scaling champion data? Where's the scaling? <laughs> but um, yeah, well done to Steph there. The overall leader, would you believe it? Actually, you probably can eight believe rounds. it because now it's eight rounds in a row. Carryover overall leader, Arthur of Black on White. Absolutely just gunning it, gunning it. But... Must mention. So his overall total score is 33,294. But second place, he's actually gaining ground, sitting only 125 points off him. And uh, that's come in from uh, over 200. So he's slowly, yep. slowly running down Arthur of Black and White. So come on, Arthur. Go into your next gear and uh, and uh, kick it up a, a notch and, and keep going on with it, mate. But, um, Inspiration there. Yeah. Inspirational speech. Thank you. Don't think do... <laughs> uh, his, his overall leader ranking has dropped down unfortunately three spots from 12 to 15 but uh, got to keep gunning for that number one spot he's still on the, still on the running uh, so keep going mate for the top prize as well yeah yeah absolutely for the uh, for the top prize but Liam what does he get first of all sorry we're jumping the gun here but for anyone that wants to to jump in <laughs> to our Supercoach Edge group how do they go about it yeah, you can join the Supercoach Edge group by entering the code 798296. Um, I mean, David just saying you shouldn't do it. Just prove him wrong because uh, he's, he's just assuming that Arthur from Black on White's going to win. Yeah, absolutely. You you never know. Yeah, yeah, you never know. You never, never know. You never know. You've you got to be in it, in it to win it. You do have to be in it to win it. And whoever ends up on top in the group rankings at the end of the season will get their hands on a very nice, shiny Supercoach Championship ring from the absolute legends at Supercoach Championship rings. 
Uh, you also get the ultimate bragging rights, and uh, we'll get to have a bit of a, a chinwag with you in the final podcast of the season, which uh, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it should be uh, should be good. And we uh, for those people who are tuning into this episode and haven't yet listened to our previous episode, we had a, a bit of a, a chinwag with uh, with Emper underscore X, our yes. good friend, number one ticket holder actually of uh, Super Coach Edge. And uh, yeah, he number one cheerleader too. Looks good in a skirt and high heels. Give him that. <laughs> I don't know why he rocked up to the podcast wearing that either. Trying to impress us. Yeah, it was, a, it was strange. Yeah, very strange. But uh, yeah, no, no, good good chat with Emp <laughs> and uh, be very good to have a chat with others in the community likewise. But Liam, that brings us to the very end of this episode. But first, just a quick reminder as to where people can find us across our social yes. channels. On Twitter, you'll find us at, at supercoach underscore edge. Um, Damon at, at DamoJ88. Myself at Liam Evans underscore 95. Facebook, Insta, Supercoach Edge. Search that. You'll find us there. <laughs> it's just rolling and, through it. Yeah, I know, right? On a roll. Uh, emails, AFL, supercoachedge at gmail.com. If you do have any questions before the start of the next round, hit us up at any of those uh, channels and we'll uh, get back to you with our thoughts. And if you're, if you're interested as well to uh, check out and join our Discord community, feel free to check out Patreon patreon.com forward slash supercoachedge and uh, you are able to gain access to our exclusive discord channel where we've got a thriving community on there yes very much like you know it, it, it gets rid of all the red tape so instead of having to contact us through twitter through email through insta all of that sort of stuff you can contact us directly through discord where we're always there i've got the app on my phone obviously got the uh the software on my computer so any questions any messages that come through in terms of discussions uh they pop up on the fly uh, in real time so um, feel free to check that out and uh, it's for the, the the price of a of a coffee for for one month so um, yes yeah not much uh, investment there but uh, does help us of course uh, continue to grow and um, aim for uh, bigger and better things heading into season 2022 but Liam like I said end of the episode great to see the uh, the, the back of the buy period that's for yeah, sure definitely and um yeah, I think a lot of people, like we said, are on the um, on the highway to um, full primo team. Yeah, it's exciting, exciting times, guys. And Liam, that brings us to the very end of this episode, Ooh. and uh, hopefully, we have enlightened all of you to uh, some of the bargains out there, Liam, because there's quite a few, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bargains in the season <laughs> right now. There's bargains galore. It reminds me of the uh, the ads with Ken Bruce. Ken Bruce has gone mad. Ken Bruce has gone bad. <laughs> Supercar Jedge has gone completely mad. We've got Barkins Galore. We've got Darcy Parrish. We've got Zach Merritt. <laughs> we don't know if Darcy Parrish is the bargain. Oh, wait, he's not a bargain, is he? Oh, Jesus. Oh, he was. He was back he's in the bond, day. Bond's the bargain. 700 and something K now. He's a bargain if you build Gates. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's the only way you can afford him. Like a pauper. I think we're on the streets. We're like, you know, holding a sign. We'll drop pants for, for extra traits. <laughs> like that old man from The Simpsons. <laughs> That's what I feel like at the yeah. moment. Old grey mare, she ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Anyway, I'm <laughs> off to uh, to find some more bargains yeah. at Franco Cotso, Liam. And uh, all the best for those of you out there for the weekend ahead. Thanks, guys. Uh, there's plenty of bargains out there already. Hey! hey.